Welcome to Skip the Queue, a podcast for people working in or working with visitor attractions. I'm your host, Kelly Molson. Each episode, I speak with industry experts from the attractions world. These chats are fun, informative, and hopefully always interesting. In today's episode, I speak with Hannah Monteverdi, Top Banana, aka Park Manager at Bewilderwood in Cheshire. We discuss how the pandemic impacted the opening of Bewilderwood Cheshire and all of the learnings that have come from that happening. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe on all the usual channels by searching Skip the Queue. Hannah, thank you for coming on the podcast today. I'm really excited to have you on. Thank you. I am excited to be here. <laughs> Good. I know how busy you've been the last couple of weeks as well, which we'll get to in a minute. So I am really grateful of the time that you've been able to give us today. As ever, though, we are going to start the podcast with our icebreaker questions. So Hannah and I had a little chat a few weeks ago, a little pre-podcast interview chat, just to kind of see, you know, what we could talk about and how we got on. And we discovered that we're both big fans of kind of like rising up other women and girl power and all that shiz so I want to know who is your favorite spice girl and why oh do you know what I'm gonna throw a curveball right at the beginning (gasps) is this gonna be an unpopular opinion well it's not my unpopular opinion (laughs) but it may well be I wasn't a spice girls girl what it was all about bewitched for me I'm afraid (laughs) but I think okay let me think about the spice girls I think if I had to pick a favourite, it's got to be Sporty Spice, I think. Yeah, she rocks. Yeah, yeah. She rocks. All right, uh, okay. Uh, Sorry can about I that. Just, no, that's okay, but I want to delve a little bit deeper into the whole Bewitched. Oh, <laughs> what was it about Bewitched? Was it the, was it the outfits? Was it, was it the Irish dancing? I don't know. I think it was a bit of both. You know that, that, I can't remember the name of their first album, but it had that little orange cover. It must have probably been about, I don't know, it's probably far too old to admit, probably about 11. And, you know, they're all jumping on the cover and looking like they're having the best time. I wanted to be one of them. If it came on the radio now, though, I would definitely get up and dance, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. And you know all the words. Of course. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. I'll let you off the Spice Girls just because of that little glorious nugget of information. (laughs) What what is top of your bucket list? Oh, I think a trip around Iceland in a camper van. Yeah. We always said we were going to go to Iceland on honeymoon and we got married about well, nearly five years ago now and somehow we've still not managed to do that. So I think, yeah, that or New Zealand, I think, but like really back to back to basics, nothing fancy, no fancy hotels or anything, just being able to drive where you want and park up where you want and enjoy that I think that whole idea of just opening your camper van doors and being in the middle of nowhere yeah that sounds incredibly enticing right now doesn't it absolutely yeah right now (laughs) okay and last one what's your favorite movie quote oh no this is this is one of the ones that we said if if you ask me this question I will not have an answer (laughs) because the only thing I can think of is I'll be back from Terminator and I've never even seen that film (laughs) so I mean I'll take that as your favorite movie quote despite you never watching it if that's that's fine (laughs) Oh no, it couldn't have gone worse. My husband said in the car, he said, he said, oh, do you know any quotes from Chalet Girl? Because that's your favourite film, isn't it? And I mean, if you've not seen Chalet Girl, then that's, that's the kind of worms to open up. But I can't even remember any quotes from that. So. Oh gosh. I mean, sorry, listeners, Hannah, do, she even tried to prep for the icebreaker question. So, you know, I just caught her out with a curveball. <sighs> All right, let's, let's park that then. 
What's your unpopular opinion? Okay, now this, if, if any of my colleagues ever listen to this podcast, um, which I, I'm undecided whether I'm going to tell them about or not, um, this is not going to go down very well with them. Um, houseplants are overrated. Mm. I just can't get behind a houseplant. Is it because you can't keep them alive? Partly, I think. I think if I tried, I could keep them alive. Um, But I think I'd much prefer, like, you know, if someone buys you flowers, they're kind of bright. They last for a few weeks, if you're lucky, and then they're done. But as you say, like a houseplant, you've got to look after it. And and most of the time, yeah, and someone was telling me the other day, actually, I think, you know, when you buy, like, a nice peace lily or something and it's got lovely flowers, it only flowers because they put loads of hormones in it. And that before you buy it, so you think, oh, that looks lovely. And then we've got we've got a peace lily which sat at home, which we've had for years, which we can't kill, no matter how hard we try. But it's never flowered again, so it's just just leaves. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. I've no, I don't think I've ever had a peace lily. I hundred percent would have killed it because this mantelpiece was full of house plants, which I then promptly killed every single one of. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I'm kind of with you on that. Yeah, I think we faux faux house plants all the way. That's the way to go. Yeah, we recently moved, and my sister she was really kind, and she sent us a house plant from Norwich where she lives. It came in the post, and that was really exciting because sending plants in the post. But I have to say, I can probably count on my hand the amount of times I've watered it since we've had it. So that's not going to last very long. <laughs> but yeah. House plants are overrated. Good. Sorry, everybody. I, I like that. Good unpopular opinion. We've not had that one on either, so it's a fresh take on it. Right. Okay. Let's get into our questions. Hannah, how did you get to be top banana, aka park manager at Bewilderwood in Cheshire? Tell us about your. Tell us about your career. Yeah. So I. I quite well. I don't tell this story that often, to be honest. But I quite often tell this story as if it's kind of like an unorthodox story and it's unique and but actually I think when I was thinking about this in prep it's probably fairly common within the industry so um my career within the attractions industry uh, sits with bewilderwood and bewilderwood alone uh, so when i graduated uni in 2011 i think i started working at bewilderwood um just kind of picking up seasonal work because i needed something to tide me over until i found a real proper job so I did that for a couple of years um, and then I went and I, I trained to become a teacher. That was going to be my proper serious job. I was going to have a career and I was going to be a teacher. Um, that lasted about six months before I kind of unceremoniously dumped that. Um, uh, it didn't work out well for my mental health and there are some things that are far more important. And I knew that I enjoyed working at Bewilderwood. So I think it was kind of like March 2014, I went groveling back um, to the ops manager at the time. And I was kind of like, look, this hasn't worked out. Have you got any any seasonal work going? And they had me back, thankfully. Um, and I just kind of, I came back and I started working seasonally again. And I loved it and I didn't really want to leave. And I was at a bit of a point where I was kind of like, well, I might as well do what makes me happy. And um, I guess the kind of the rest of it is almost in a sense, it's just a, it's a series of happy accidents and and. I guess, being in in the right place at the right time. So I was working front of house, uh, letting people into the park, um, making sure that everyone was having fun, having the best day ever. And then I kind of progressed from that into um, a site supervisor role. So that's what we call our duty managers. So kind of taking care of the site on a day-to-day basis, making sure that all our visitors are happy, dealing with any queries, any issues, all that kind of stuff. 
and then from there, I kind of moved upwards uh, into the operations manager position. I spent quite a few years doing that um, and loving that, actually. It's where I kind of first started like managing staff and things. Um, and we've got quite a big team of seasonal staff. Um, this was in Norfolk at the time. So it was kind of managing about up to about 100 people um, in a season, which was great fun. And I was really used to enjoy it. I then somehow, luckiest catch of all, I think I managed to land a promotion to the deputy general manager whilst I was on maternity leave. Not really sure how that happened, but nice work. Um, yeah, go and have a baby and then come back as a deputy general manager, which was great. Um, and it was kind of then, it was then, so I could, that must have been about 2018. Um, it was then when the talk of Cheshire kind of first started to become a thing and started to become something that we could almost believe in. It had been kind of going around the houses for a little while and there'd been rumors about Cheshire and and um we always knew that we wanted to open a second park and kind of by that point it was at a point where it was it was becoming real and things were getting put in the ground and we got planning permission and and we could really believe that it was going to happen um so I remember I was having chats with Ben our general manager kind of around that time and he was sort of saying you know if it's something if that's where you want your career to go if that's something you want to do then you know have a think about it maybe if you, you know, try this deputy general management position for a year, we'll see how it goes. We'll give you the opportunity to have a crack at, at running a park for a year, which was fantastic. Like it was the most amazing opportunity. You know, I had his support literally right there. Um, but he, you know, allowed me to kind of do my own thing and, and run the park. And then moving on from there, kind of that in, in essence, as I said, was my, my trial run for a year obviously didn't do too bad a job because um, they asked if we wanted to come up to Cheshire and run the park here which of course I would have been mad to say no um, so we moved up here December 2019 yeah December 2019 okay. um, and obviously well, I'm sure we'll talk in a bit about the curveballs that last year and things <laughs> were thrown at us but the plan was to move up here um, December 2019 um, and and yes yeah, so, so, you know kind of work with Ben to set up the park operationally and then moving forwards kind of kind of run the park as top banana slash park manager um so yeah that's kind of me but and, and we often say that I'm kind of the poster girl for for that within Bewilderwood so you know that I'm the one that started out as part of the twiggle team as part of our seasonal staff and then have worked my way up through the company um which is lovely and you know it's everyone no I don't really want to be a poster girl but um but it it what's what I think is even lovelier um with Bewilderwood and with the company is that that's not unique it's not it's not just me as said poster girl who's done that so whilst there aren't lots of people running bewilderwoods around the country because we've only got two um there are lots of people especially in norfolk in management positions who have started out as part of the twiggle team and then have kind of made their way up through the company so our marketing manager she was part of the twiggle team our operations manager in norfolk now and the assistant operations manager they've all kind of come from working within the twiggle team which is something that i think is so important and it and it's really important i think for me as well setting up cheshire and setting up the ops team and things here is that we champion that you know giving people the opportunities to grow and to develop and i know speaking about me you know, and from my experience, it probably would have been far easier for them to appoint an experienced general manager who had all these whistles and bows and feathers in his hat to, you know, to come and run the park. But actually being able to send someone from Norfolk who's got the knowledge and the understanding of what Bewilderwood is, both as a brand and as a business, I think, especially given everything that's happened this year, it's been so beneficial, you know, that we've 
can be able to bring that brand to a brand new audience and yeah it's been massively challenging and it's been an amazing learning curve for me you know I've done so many things that I probably wouldn't have been able to do anywhere else and um yeah that's kind of what makes it fun isn't it you know all those challenges and things and yeah absolutely that's where I'm at that's where I want to pick up the story um I'm going to come back to this in a minute because there's a there's a couple of questions I want to speak to you about around that topic of being the kind of the poster girl like you said I think the the more attractions that I speak to the more I see that the organizations themselves are really keen to bring people on almost, almost like from a grassroots level you know they're really keen to have people that progress and move their careers on through that organization so they've had like real hands-on experience of every kind of level of engaging with the guests you know like you say being a twiggle from that from that kind of that level there and they're moving up through marketing and management etc I think that's a really fantastic thing for attractions to be able to do but when you mentioned poster girl and I kind of One of the things that I've been looking at recently is trying to keep the diversity of the guests that come on to the show quite even. And I find that quite difficult because there is a bit of a, it seems to me there's still a bit of a kind of disbalance around uh, men and women in the sector. So I wanted to ask you, you know, do you, do you think that there's a little bit of a lack of women at that senior level in attractions? And is, is there anything that can be done about that? It's, it seems like Bewilderwood are doing really great things in terms of moving people through the, their organisation from promoting inside. But are there any kind of, are there any things that you've been involved in that you could see as a real kind of positive benefit to women in the industry? It's a really interesting question. I don't know if we break the mould in that actually, within Bewilderwood we are predominantly female managed and run at board at board level which perhaps maybe is a different different subject and a different conversation probably for a different day at board level it's different and I don't know whether that's reflected elsewhere and whether that's unique or not um but I would say and from my obviously as I said Bewilderwood is my attractions life so my very limited um experience I think either we break the mold or or no actually we don't you know there's I don't see a lack of women in senior leadership roles I think I think obviously it's it's a really big conversation at the moment and it's a conversation that I need to educate myself further in because I don't think I understand enough or know enough about women and 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 you know diversity within leadership I think it's really important as well to remember that I guess in a sense that the glass the glass ceiling isn't just women Mm. I guess in a way it's anyone who's not straight male or white probably you know and and it's encouraging the as you said I think you know the diversity that we have within our society should be reflected within our workplaces and within leadership and at every level um but yeah it's something that I think I need to go away and do some more work on and more understanding and more research to kind of be able to speak about it eloquently but yes yeah, it's, it's definitely something and I think it's it's a it's a conversation that is being had and it's which is great you know and we need more of that we need more of the the gender pay gap reporting and the the championing flexible working and all of that kind of thing but I think it's important that you know it's not it's not just women it is it is any anybody it's making sure that diversity is represented and society is represented if that makes sense yeah no completely yeah it absolutely does I've been thinking about um actually running a panel session on this and kind of bringing that to the forefront of some of the things that we talk about as well so yeah and it would be I think for me actually one thing would 
because because I don't know, you know, from my limited experience, it, it doesn't seem to me that way. But actually, if that's not the case, then for me, it'd be really interesting to speak to other people and find out whether what we're like is reflective of of other places and things absolutely well let's carry this conversation on further let's. but for now I would like to go back to December 2019 so you've left your life in Norwich you've moved to Cheshire it's Christmas time you've got a young family at home and you're just about to start you know possibly the most exciting part of your career so far and then we get whacked with the coronavirus. The Rona. The Rona comes and smacks us on the arse. What, tell us about what's, <laughs> tell us about what's happened. Because I think the attraction was, it was due to originally yeah. last, was it May time, March time, yes. May time last year? So um, May the 23rd, 2020, that was the big date. And as Tom's been saying recently, Tom Blofeld, the guy that, the guy that owns Bewilderwood, has been saying recently in lots of his interviews and things that I've heard him saying, is saying, we couldn't have possibly picked a worse date. And he's so true. Like May the 23rd, 2020, that was when it was going to be. We, as you rightfully said, so we moved up to Cheshire in December 2019. That was lovely. There I was, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, ready to build a team. <laughs> We're going to open Boulder with Cheshire. It's going to be wonderful. Um, and it was great. It was great for the first few months. Um, we, we started building the team. We got the managers in. We got our maintenance guys in. Everything started, you know, progressing and ticking along. We were making all those big, long lists about what we still needed to do, uh, working with the contractor and things, all going for this May the 23rd date. We just announced to the public um, and to all our wonderful visitors that we were going to open on the 23rd of May 2020 we had all the graphics and things designed we put the leaflets out to print um, and I will always remember I will always it must have been like the middle of March I um, obviously we were all starting to talk about coronavirus by this point and and I noticed um, I'm a member of the visitor experience forum on uh, LinkedIn so I noticed they were doing uh, I think it was a hack or something they called around COVID-19 so I thought oh yeah this will be a nice trip out of the office I'll get the train down to London and and I'll go and meet some other people and we'll talk about this coronavirus thing and maybe we'll talk about how you know we might have to close our attractions for a week or two and that will be a shame but it'll be a nice rest for us all and so I there I go down on the train really excited nice trip out um and I remember sitting in this room and I think it's Bernard Donoghue was just I just felt like a balloon being slowly deflated across the course of the morning um and I remember sitting on the train on the way back typing up my notes and sort of messaging people like oh lordy this oh is a gosh. big this is a big deal yeah and and I mean obviously there were elements I was I was probably over naive and and, and over excited about what we were doing so yeah so quickly after that I guess I think it was probably the week or so after that we everyone was told to work from home so we sent our minimal I think I think there was probably about five or six of us in the office by that point so we sent them home and um, we kept our maintenance guys on but then kind of within a, a week or two of that, it became very apparent very quickly um, that actually we wouldn't be opening in May. Um, and initially what we did, um, we initially decided to delay it until July. And then I think as, you know, as lockdown progressed and proceeded and, it, and there was no end to it, it just, again, very quickly, we, did, we didn't have to take long to make the decisions, which was quite a nice thing in, in a sense. You know, we made, we made decisions quickly, um, we made the right decisions and we made sure that we kept the guys informed. Um, but yeah, so very quickly it became apparent that, you know, July actually wouldn't be achievable because 
by the time we came back out of lockdown we'd have to get people back into the office we'd have to start out from where we um from where we left off um so yeah so July 2020 then very quickly became spring 2021 um but we have opened so we are we are now open which is brilliant um but yeah it was altogether a a rather strange few months for me I can, I can imagine how kind of life-changing that was as well because you've already done a big step in kind of moving to a different area and having mm-hmm. to establish yourself there in a in a personal sense and yeah. then you're establishing yourself in your in a new role in a new place and you're building a new team around you as well I mean that that must have been pretty horrendous right you, you would have had to have recruited ready for the opening and then what happens, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I did feel like, I, almost in a sense, like the whole of my last 18 months has felt like a recruitment groundhog day. And it, it it's, awful, it's awful to say that because it felt like it was never ending. And the poor people who are on the other ends of the sticks, it, you know, it was far worse for them. They had the worst end of the stick. But yeah, I mean, I kind of, much of last year for me, and also remembering that I was I was coming into this with a huge amount to learn anyway, and then have you know so so much of last year was was in a nutshell it was just a masterclass in kind of management skills and and techniques that you really wish that you don't ever have to use. So really, unfortunately, um, for us, I well I had the horrible task of having to let go all those people that we had recruited because unfortunately the way that the furlough scheme cut off um, we just got people in within weeks so that within weeks of that deadline um, so we couldn't we couldn't furlough anyone and it, and it was a case of you know we need to save save this business there were really worrying points last year so yeah so in about May I think we had to we had to let the team go we did keep them on for as long as we could you know keep keep supporting them and things but we did have to let them go um and then so kind of from May to January last year it was it was me and a and a couple of boggle builders so our maintenance team that we kept on to caretake the site so thankfully I wasn't completely on my own and and we did you know we did keep coming into the office um they obviously had had work that they needed to do around the site and things um but yeah it's a 70 acre site so it, it did feel a bit strange with just the three of us kind of rattling around um I did learn some skills in how to use a jig saw and stuff so good life know, skills to have exactly something to add on to my cv <laughs> um but yeah and and for myself you know I was really lucky in a sense that that once lockdown eased um because we are you know we are bewildered we are one one company I you know I was able to go back down to Norfolk and help support the guys in Norfolk with their reopening and then I actually ended up helping them put together their kind of covid secure lantern parade that they put on for october half term so that was really nice and it was it was for me personally it was really lovely to actually be able to go back somewhere and feel like i was part of a team not three people kind of rattling around somewhere so yeah and i think i probably would have lost my mind a bit if i if i didn't manage to do that but but yeah and it, i kind of i guess in a sense you know thinking about the positives of there are positives that have come out of it you know i i managed to spend time on kind of in a sense the more paperworky side of stuff so managing to get all the 
health and safety things all ticked off and out of the way whilst it was quiet in the summer and you didn't have loads of stuff running around and happening but but yeah um as I said the, it felt like groundhog day of recruitment so yeah 18 months of recruiting people and then letting people go and then re-recruiting people um what was lovely actually though is that we had I think I I was going to try and work out the percentage but I ran out of time we had a huge percentage of the people that we let go in May came back Oh, that's so, fabulous. So obviously we kept them in the loop and things. Um, and I, I quite enjoyed going around taking pictures and being able to send people updates of what was going on around site. And it was so nice. Yeah, we'd obviously recruited a bunch of people who who shared the passion for what we were doing. And after everything, you know, for them to say, I want to come back. I still want to work with you. That, you know, that's that was lovely. It was really nice. So that's um, testament to how you obviously managed that process in terms of keeping in touch with them and the empathy mm. that you showed them with the situation that you were in. Yeah, I hope so. It was tough. It was really tough. But yeah, like you say, it was it's so nice that, you know, they've come back and, and that actually now that we have finally opened, that they have all got to be involved in it. You know, I imagine last May, everyone had thoughts of, is this place ever going to open? And to now be sat here, having actually opened it, I, if if I think if someone had said to me last July do you reckon you'll be sat there next April with a park that has opened to resounding success? I, I wouldn't have confidently been able to say yes. So wow. that's nice. Wow. Yeah, that is really nice. What's it been like? What's the response been like from, from the general public? Do you know what? It's been absolutely phenomenal. It's been so amazing to open. For one, the weather was absolutely perfect for the whole week so obviously as you can imagine we are an outdoor attraction so we are quite weather dependent um there's so much fun to be had in the rain but people don't often understand that but yeah so to have a week of amazing sunshine and really warmish weather was perfect that's absolutely perfect for us and then to see kind of just to see people in the park you know it was the cherry on top of the cake that everybody loved it because everybody did love it which was amazing but to see people running around the park that you've spent so long working on and and the weirdest thing was it was seeing people using the park and I I said I turned and said to someone on day one I was like this feels so normal but yet yesterday I was running around like a headless chicken with a screwdriver putting signs on things you know and the, for the past three <laughs> years this is what we've been working towards and all of a sudden you fill it with people and it and it just felt normal yeah and I mean don't get me wrong there are there are plenty of things that we need to work on and as I you know I always say to the team for us it wasn't going to be perfect when we opened it and if it was if we did feel like it was perfect then we'd probably done something wrong so we've got lists and lists of things that we want to improve um, and things that we want to change but to see visitors playing in the park and enjoying the park and to see the feedback that we got from the visit it was just it was just the best thing to be honest oh, that's incredible. and it, and yeah yeah it was and I think we were kind of mindful and I was always a bit mindful that we we've moved to a new area it's quite a niche concept it's really hard to explain without being able to see what Bewilderwood is but to have you know to have visitor reviews that kind of are saying things that like how amazing the staff are, you know, to, to sit there and read that and things, you know, saying how brilliant the facilities are and how much fun they've had. Yeah, it was, I can't lie. It was, it was, it was brilliant. It was such a relief and just so lovely to kind of, yeah, 
yeah it was what, great. what a massive like morale boost for the team as well to have gone through so much in in that year you know especially for those poor people that have been made redundant and then they've come back and now they're in the thick of it that must be just music to their ears right now yeah absolutely and I and I was really like the past couple of weeks before we opened I I found my I think they must think I'm completely mad we ended up doing these stupid like Monday motivational meetings like where we'd all get together at nine o'clock on a Monday morning and I'd say something stupid and irritate them all probably with some silly little motivational saying or something um but one thing that I really like I really believe in and I have to tell myself to do it as well sometimes but you know I was kind of saying to them in the weeks before remember when we open to take a step back and and just watch and see what people do and to take a step back and and think about everything that you have done and just think about that impact that that's had on everyone else like it's so easy to get lost in what you're doing in the day to day and the grind and how many hours you're putting in and how much hard work you are putting in because everyone has worked phenomenally hard and it's not you know it's not just the guys in Cheshire as well it's the guys in Norfolk too so you know as I said before we are bewilderwood one team and 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 that's true like the guys in Norfolk have reopened they also reopened on the 12th but the effort that they also put into helping us get open in Cheshire even though in a sense you know when we had our team up here start we couldn't travel down to Norfolk and get them to see the site and that was initially the plan you know in a sense I would induct them into the company and we do our Cheshire induction up here. And then the first thing that they would all do would be to go down to Norfolk and to meet their counterparts in Norfolk and right. see the site in Norfolk and understand what the world it is and how it works. And when you're in lockdown, you can't do that. Um, so, yeah. So um, we had we had fun trying to think up ways we could get people talking to each other remotely and to get people to understand the brand and things. How, how did you but, do yeah. that? That would be interesting because I can... Because that's great, isn't it? You know, the fact that you'd be able to send people and kind of shadow them. You know, this is your role in this park. This is what you'll be doing. But how do you how did you do that virtually? Everyone came into the office and we did put loads of stuff in place to make it COVID secure and things. Um, So in a sense, up here, we did our induction like that. Um, Again, I played some really silly motivational games, which I'm sure they probably all hated. We had two truths and a lie and I got them all to send them in in advance and found out really interesting things about people, which was quite funny. Um, (laughs) We should should disclose some of those on the podcast. That'd be better than the unpopular opinion. (laughs) But then... um, yeah, and then it, I guess in a sense it, it was it was working remotely. So we used quite a lot of Microsoft Teams and things, and, and making sure that we're checking in and chatting to people, and, and doing it like we're doing now, so face to face over video call. I mean, I a year ago would have never imagined that I would be on a webcam with headsets talking to people because it was kind of like my worst nightmare. Um, but you getting people to embrace that, and then I think you know we did we even did silly things as full teams. So I remember we did a. Um, a show and tell activity or something we got everyone to bring in something that was personal to them and then we all stood in front of a camera and and talked to each other for half an hour and there I I think you know this year has proven that there is so much that can be done remotely but I also think it has also proven that there is so much that can't be done remotely Mm. and um there you know there are bits and pieces that we want to pick up now that we can travel and now that we are open and things so we will it's really important, you know, before kind of May half term in the summer that we get our guys down to Norfolk so they can understand where Bewilderwood comes from and, and exactly what it is, because 
that's going to be so much more beneficial to them than a load of waffle and a load of words from me trying to explain it because it's really hard to explain <laughs> I, I still want to pronounce it be wilder word as well I really want yeah. to, I want to shout the wild bit I know I pronounced it wrong earlier in, in the podcast <laughs> Yeah, no, people, we get people asking, my dad asked this weekend and I've worked at Bewilderwood for nine years. So if my dad can't pick it up in nine years, then <laughs> I'm all right. Let me off. <laughs> I'll let you off just this once. Okay. Um, I, I mean, it's a phenomenal story. I, I can't even, I can't even begin to imagine how, how tough last year must have been for you with everything that you've going, got going on, you know, not just, you know, the, the, the effects of the coronavirus and having to not open the attraction, but having moved to a new area as well and suddenly being in lockdown with a young yeah. family and like, you know, that must have been so overwhelming for you. And I think, you know, it, it's so lovely to hear such a, an incredibly positive story come from something like that. Um, I wonder if you could share with us you kind of started off this podcast by saying, you know, I'm going into this new role and there's, there was a load of things that were still quite kind of new and learning for me. And you've really had, had no choice. you've really been jumping at the deep end. I mean, you know, I mean, if you can cope with last year, that I mean, you've peaked, you can cope with anything now. I hope I've not peaked. I hope I, I hope I just keep going that way. There's, there's more to come. Okay. I hope so. What do you think that it's been your kind of biggest professional and personal learning from last year I think personally is easier to understand obviously I've, I've had a chance to think about these and uh, on one point of view on an amusing lighter note I have learned personally that I am certainly not a hobbyist I'm not a person <laughs> for hobbies so I I love the idea of a hobby and I go all in and I buy everything I need to start it so I buy the knitting needles and I buy the wool and I buy a pattern and I'm going to knit something really lovely and I get two days in and I'm like god this is boring can you tell us what you've tried have you tried knitting like what, what tried, I've, got, things? I've got half knitted cardigans that I have. So now to be honest with knitting I did manage to knit Lyra my daughter a jumper so she's three so I knitted a three-year-old's jumper but then I was like right now's the chance to do something for me I'm gonna knit myself a cardigan and I've knitted like half half of a side <laughs> so done that um we had a sourdough starter for a while excellent that's um, a standard coronavirus uh, yep. necessity hobby yeah then then that went moldy mm-hmm. um I've got I think I would actually I'd probably say my one true hop I've got two true hobbies which are probably reading and running um but reading this year I've my the reading hobbies kind of turned into a buying books hobby I don't read them they just sit I've got a really nice <laughs> pile beautiful. of books yeah um I am trying really hard though actually to read more because that's good for me um what else have I tried oh I can't think of anything else off the top of my head I've definitely you know tried a fair few and podcasting I've tried to listen to podcasts and I listened to a few and then I six weeks later I was like oh yeah I was listening to that podcast oh, you've been listening to this one oh, of I course, mean, now yeah. you're a guest all of on it. It and all that. oh god that's awkward <laughs> no I had to do my research on this one of course listen to this what else have I I can't think lots of things I'm definitely a really faddy person okay. oh I buy, probably buy a diary every year and start I get as far as writing my address and then that's about as far as it goes but it's good I think that's a good thing to learn about yourself hobbyist no there's other things that you can focus your time on no and then I think kind of more more seriously in a kind of in a post-covid had a had quite a you know a fair amount of time to reflect and and think about myself and things I think one thing from this year personally that's resonated with me quite quite a lot is in a sense that not 
comparing your feelings to others I think and not trying to rationalize or justify your feelings with others so you know we've we've been enormously lucky this year that as a family and 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 my friends you know we've not suffered enormous emotional or financial suffering um but at the same time I think you know we've all had our struggles I think this year has been difficult for everyone and difficult for everyone for all sorts of different reasons um and I think it's really easy and I found it really easy this past year to kind of um try and diminish your own feelings by looking at someone else and saying well you're not struggling as much as them so so you're not it's not okay for you to struggle and I think it you know for myself personally I've tried really hard especially in the past few months to kind of not compare myself to others and you know if you're feeling those feelings you're feeling those feelings It, it just because person x has got more going on or maybe feels different about the same thing that doesn't diminish your feelings or make your feelings any less feeling that yeah you know I mean isn't it you know if someone is having a really really difficult time there and you can see they're clearly going through it it doesn't make your feelings of well I feel really challenged by Mm. the things that I'm going going through and they're minuscule in comparison but they're still valid you can yeah okay to feel like that yeah so I think I think for me that's the biggest thing for me personally and I think that's something that you know I think I will can continue to work on in a sense I think kind of professionally as you said you know if I was to try and stop and think about what I've learned this year I don't think I could even scratch the surface I have learned so much and it has been such a unique and exciting and um in you know and it's been an amazing opportunity there's there's so many ways I can turn everything into a positive you know all the things that I've had the chance to learn the chance to do the chance to jump feet first in and and give it a go you know and and the things that that I've been thrown in the deep end and have just had to get on with you know the the amount of learning I've got out of those challenges I will forever be grateful for I think it's been a massive roller coaster there's been some really really high high points but at the same time there have also been some really worrying low points at the same time and I think and I think the one thing that I can, or two things I kind of came back with when I was thinking about it is it's learning to adapt, which is something I've n- never been great at. Um, I'm always, I've always been a lists person and I've always been a planner. Um, when I was in the ops role in Norfolk, we always used to kind of jest at me when it got to, so we shut over November or over winter, sorry. So we shut from November to February and everyone used to have a, have a laugh at me in the first couple of the weeks of the winter, I would literally print out 10 weeks of weekly planners and I would plan my winter it didn't it never it didn't always go to plan but just by doing that exercise I would sit there and I'd be like right okay on this day I'm going to look at the staffing and we're going to do this this and this and that that's just how my brain works but I've I've kind of had to learn this year that when things change and they change again and they change again you just have to be able to adapt Mm. and you have to be able to think fast on your feet and you have to be able to make decisions and they have to be you know sometimes they have to be quick decisions but if you can justify them and and you know make everyone aware of why those decisions are being made even if they're tricky ones I think people appreciate that so yeah so being able to adapt was one and then I think the other thing that I've learned about myself is that there is nothing I love more than a challenge and that despite everything that's gone on there is nothing that beats the feeling of having to work to a hard deadline and getting there and achieving it 
and I know like we quite often joke every day is a school day and there's new challenges every day but for me I think that's really important I think it's you know I thrive off being able to learn and being able to grow and develop and I think I've probably done a certain amount of that this year and I've really enjoyed it. Good. I think that's a huge positive to take from it. And and I completely agree with you. And I think there would be a lot of our listeners and myself included that would say that's probably the biggest thing that they've learned about themselves this year as well. What's next then? So what's next for Bewilderwood Cheshire? And what's the next big challenge that you've got? What exciting things have you got coming up this summer? Um, so I think what's next for Bewilderwood Cheshire, there's a lot of work to do between now and summer to make Bewilderwood feel like Bewilderwood to Bewilderwood um it's fantastic that the new audience and our new visitors and things love us and get us that was as I said before you know that was one thing I was mindful of but I think internally there is so much more that we can do to make Bewilderwood Bewilderwood so that's going to be I think one of our focuses there is big focus on a lantern parade at the end of the year uh, which I think will probably be the next big challenge. I know I'm having a wander around with our ups people at some point this week to discuss October, which is great. Um, that sounds but it's really been... far away at the moment. I know. October, Who knows what could happen by then? <laughs> um, let's hope things are settled down a bit more. There's obviously the, you know, there's, there's thinking about thinking forward to the post COVID world. What happens when we don't have to limit our numbers? How do we deal with that? Um, do, the, do the facilities cope? Do our, does our infrastructure cope? What, what, what can we cope with? And if we don't think we can cope with what we're going to get, what, how can we develop? How can we grow? How can we make it work? What exciting things can we put in next? Where are we going next? Um, there's kind of, uh, yeah, there's loads of questions at the moment. I think, you know, short term, we get through the next few weeks and then then we really can start developing and growing and thinking about kind of what comes next. And maybe you can come back on in a year from now and, uh, and share, share the next, uh, share the next installment of, of Hannah's, of Hannah's career progression and crazy, Yay. crazy life that's going on up in Cheshire. That'd what's be awesome. Hannah doing now? <laughs> oh dear. Okay. Well, look, we're at the end of the interview, but there is one last question that I always ask all of our guests and it is a book, a book that you love hopefully that you've read and isn't sitting in that lovely stack that's next to your bed right now. (laughs) But would you have a book that you'd recommend to our audience? I've been greedy and I've got two. I hope that's okay. Oh, you know what? People do this all the time. It blows my marketing budget consistently, but you go for it. You'd probably be able to pick at least one of them up fairly cheaply. So, um, the first one, I think the first one you might not even need to buy because it's a, it's a really popular one and most of your listeners will probably be familiar with it, but for me this year, it's been a really important one, I think. Um, so the first one is The Boy, the Mole, the Fox and the Horse by Charlie Maxey. Great book. Um, I found it, you know, it's not it's not a leadership book. It's not anything fancy like that. It's not going to tell you how to get a million visitors in your visitor attraction. But I found it so useful this year for putting things into perspective. And this is all getting a bit personal anyway. But the few days I did work from home this year, my husband would pick out the book and, and set it out on a page on my desk each morning. And I'd be like yeah I can do this that's lovely do this. and like something different to read you know there's also um I did want to mention there's a really lovely audio version of it that I think they they put on radio Four over Christmas um which I really enjoyed so that's a really nice other way to listen to it um and then the other one so this one 
you'll I hope you'll laugh at this otherwise it'll just become really weird <laughs> is it so, the Spice Girls annual no I'm afraid no it's not bewitched either Point um, <laughs> this is this is one that I panic bought when you asked me to come onto this podcast because I was like <laughs> oh god pressure. I'm on a podcast with all these attractions professionals and there I am like hello I'm Hannah and I work at Bollywood um, so I and I was like what book can I recommend oh my goodness nothing was highbrow enough or anything so I did some research um and I bought a an anthology of speeches called She Speaks and it's put together by Yvette Cooper um and it's basically I've got it sat next to me actually because so, so I can remember what it says but it 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 kind of its tagline is women's speeches that change the world you know it's an anthology of of famous women's speeches but I've taken to kind of I read it at breakfast when I feel like I need to kick up the ass for that day so I get I I pick a page at random and what's really nice is that there's no there's no agenda behind it so you've got people from completely different walks of life but just copies of their powerful speeches and and yeah and I found it hugely inspirational um I think it, at times it's quite moving um and I just think it demonstrates really succinctly the power of words so that one what a fantastic book I've never heard of that book either I think that's one that I'm gonna have to grab a copy of I'm reading it in the morning that's like a really kind of self-motivating thing to set you up Mm. well isn't it yeah yeah and I kind of I read that and I think cool look at what all those amazing women have achieved and then think I could do that I am heading to Bewilderwood and I'm gonna do the same (laughs) (laughs) I did I did threaten to my guys in one motivational Monday that I come in and read one but thankfully for them I haven't subjected them to it yet well uh, to be fair when we were talking about hobbies earlier I did actually make my team learn how to do crochet <laughs> oh I've tra- actually that is another one I've tried I've got stuck when they started talking about magic circles or something is that right? magic that's, it's really yeah. hard a magic circle yeah, Just, I, yeah I mean it, that is a really dif- that is a really difficult skill I tried but... to crochet a cactus and it didn't work out too well so okay see all of my team were Mao at that point as well so it, it, it was it was an interesting day of me trying to well it was a lunchtime of me trying to teach them how to do that one thing I did well I say I stuck at I did some macrame I made a macrame oh, wall hanging, but I've only made one wall hanging, and that's it. That's that's I've ticked that off now. Don't need to do anymore. Oh, but it's on the wall. There's the achievement. You don't need to do anymore. Look what you did. I love that. Thank you, Hannah. It's been so lovely to have you on. I've really, really enjoyed this interview, and I, and I genuinely do extend that offer. It would be really great for you to come back, maybe a year from now, and kind of like let us know what the next st- stages of 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 what's happened up there and and how it's all gone. It would be really good to hear from you. Thank you. I'd love to come back. Awesome. Thank you very much. Well, um, if you, as ever, listeners, if you want to win Hannah's books that she's mentioned today, if you head over to our Twitter account and you retweet this episode announcement with the comment, I want Hannah's books, then you'll be in a chance with of winning them both. Awesome, Hannah. Come back soon and good luck with the rest of the season. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Skip the Queue. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps others find us. And remember to follow us on Twitter for your chance to win the books that have been mentioned. Skip the Queue is brought to you by Rubber Cheese, a digital agency that builds remarkable systems and websites for attractions that helps them increase their visitor numbers. You can find show notes and transcriptions from this episode and more over on our website, rubbercheese.com forward slash podcast.